Welcome to The Sound, KQAL-FM's weekly behind-the-scenes look at Midwestern-made music. From writing and recording to distribution and promotion, The Sound is your source for new releases and exclusive interviews from Midwestern artists. Support for The Sound is made possible by a grant from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Rolling. Today on The Sound, we're joined by Winona-based artist Mike Munson as he presents his new album, Underwood. Named for Underwood Recording Studio in Minneapolis, this album features a variety of songs, both traditional and brand new, from Mike Munson himself. Regardless of origin, every song on this album carries with it influences from Mike's own style of music production. Listen to the simple yet melancholy melodies of the songs on Underwood as we get under the process of its creation with Mike Munson on The Sound. Thank you. 
And that is Modern Life from the new album Underwood by Mike Munson, who we have in here in the studio with us. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing great, Tivani. Thanks. So I did read up on how this album came to be. Why don't you uh, reiterate that story for our audience? Uh, yeah. So a, f- a friend of mine who uh, hosts music about his farm uh, kind of very generously uh, suggested that I work uh, with a friend of his, a guy named Mark Stockard, who has a studio called Underwood in Minneapolis, uh, which I had known about and uh, had known Mark by name, but never worked with him. Uh, and because of uh, Rick's urging, uh, I asked Mark if he'd be interested in working with me. Uh, and I had a handful of songs that was ready to record and was working on a couple more. And he said yes, and we uh, made, a, made, made a date to hang out and see the space and talk about what kind of sound I was going for and what kind of songs I'd be doing. And then, uh, uh, then yeah, showed up a couple months later and played the songs in a live setting and we recorded them and, uh, yeah, and there, now we have Underwood, the record. So I did read up on your album on your band camp and it says, uh, the songs that you wrote on this, I believe there's four songs you wrote for this album. Uh, they were produced while, uh, taking part in an artistic retreat. Correct. Uh, w- would you mind going to detail about that retreat? Like what, what, what is it? What did you do? How did it inspire you? Sure. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a great effort, uh, by a gentleman named David Nash. Uh, and the project is called the two chickadees project, uh, which people can look up now online, uh, because, uh, he'll be taking applications soon, uh, for this up this winter's upcoming uh, retreat. And it's not explicitly for musicians. It's for artists of any kind. Uh, and last year I was selected which meant that I had uh, a week in uh, a place called Norskadalen, which is in Coon Valley, which is outside of Viroqua, at a very secluded cabin uh, to work on music and write uh, write new songs. And then at the end of that week, there was a, a house concert uh, in which it wasn't mandatory that I perform the new uh, music, but that's kind of made it a fun, fun thing. And it's... Uh, the goal of Two Chickadees Project is to give artists time and space to create without interruption. And so I was at this uh, secluded cabin, uh, which sounds dreamy and uh, was at times, and then uh, very quiet and uh, so, you know spooky at other times. Uh, but uh, this year's location, uh, I believe, will be the re- retreat will happen at the Trempola Hotel, which is cool. I also read up uh, while I was reading about this album. You uh, did this with no um, no compiled takes or overdubs. Correct. Um, so that meant like if you messed up somewhere in the song, you just repeated the whole thing. Yep. So let me ask you, why did you do that? Um, wh- why did you choose to do that? Largely because a lot of my favorite music uh, and a lot of my favorite records uh, were all produced that way. Uh, a lot of jazz records, a lot of uh, the early recorded American music, early rock and roll. That's how it was all recorded. People got in a room and they played the song uh, and they decided which which take was the best and then that went on the record. Uh, and I do primarily consider myself a live performer. I find that the energy uh, that's present in a one single live performance is interesting and it might not be perfect, uh, but there's all these kind of happy accidents that can happen and the unexpected can happen. And the idea of trying to capture that in a recording is very exciting to me. 
So in a way, your recording is supposed to be like, if, if someone buys a CD, they're buying you. They're buying the live you. They're not buying an edited version or an ideal version. They're just buying the live performance. Sure, yeah. They're, they're buying uh, or they're listening to the music exactly how it sounded on exactly that day. You know, it's, it's more like a, a snapshot, a visual picture. Uh, and it's, that's how it sounded in that room on that day. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, and there's something exciting to me about that. And it kind of ups the stakes a little bit for recording too, which is fun. In that case, let's move on to our next song. This is Poor Black Maddie on Underwood by Mike Munson.
Joining us, that was Poor Black Maddie, uh, a song on the new album Underwood from Mike Munson, who's here in the studio with us. Greetings. Hi. So, Poor Black Maddie is not one of the songs you wrote. It's one of the traditional tunes. Correct, yeah. So, I have to ask, what made you choose the traditional tunes that are on the album? There's four, I believe. I think, yeah, there's like four traditional tunes. Uh, They're Poor Black Maddie, Jimmy Bell's If I Lose, Let Me Lose. And I'm blinking on the last one. Why did you choose those four tunes specifically? Those songs uh, I had been performing in a live setting uh, for quite a while uh, and had never recorded them. And people often ask about some of those songs specifically. So that's how some of those made it on there. And others, uh, they're just songs that uh, I like to play. But uh, this particular album I wanted to put some what we call traditional songs or older songs um, especially from the blues genre or the country blues genre on there because coming from that tradition here I feel like it's important to honor honor the past uh, and to not let some of these songs kind of wither away and to keep changing them slightly and uh, make them my own in some ways and keep introducing people to uh, these songs largely because then they become vehicles to talk about the past and talk about some of the musicians that I really love. So uh, with this particular song, it gives me an opportunity to talk about an artist from Como, Mississippi named Rainy Burnett, uh, who that's one of the first recordings of this particular song that I heard and it totally knocked me out, uh, and then R.L. Burnside, and then it goes on and on. And then by putting this song, we can have this conversation, and then we can talk about uh, some of these performers, uh, largely from Mississippi and specifically from the Hill Country in Mississippi, and keep saying their names and keep introducing people to their music, uh, which is exciting to me. Right, and you mentioned how you uh, like to try and make them your own. I did listen to the original recording of Poor Black Maddie, and besides an underlying melody like very small uh, music riffs that were similar you see it seems like you had a completely different song um like if i didn't know about the history i could have gone in thinking that was an original song by you mm-hmm. so what do you think you added to poor black maddie to make it your own uh i think ultimately it's my my way of playing guitar which i've learned a lot from hill country blues players uh, but as any musician and any artist that, you know, I think the goal is to try to find a voice of your own, uh, whether that's a singing voice, but also a voice on your instrument. And I think not that I'm like arrived there, but I think I'm starting to develop a, a sound that's recognizable as uh, something that is like 
things that I do, my little like trademark sounds or whatever. Uh, and so fitting this particular song, which I love in this particular groove um, that I love into this song uh, and then mostly being so there can be a vehicle to talk about Rainy Burnett and Arl Burnside and Como, Mississippi, and that there's still a lot of music happening down there and, uh, you know, and you can you, you can go take it into this day. All right. Well, I think it's uh, time we head into our next song, which will be Sailing for You. Santa for you, Santa for you. 
And that was Sailing For You, another song on Mike Munson's new album, Underwood. And Mike Munson is here with us in the studio. Greetings, Giovanni. So I was reading more on your band camp, and it said that you liked the juke joint and early blues recordings. Mm-hmm. What is it about that sound that really draws you in? Why, mm-hmm. why do you choose to stick with it? Mm-hmm. It's a sound uh, that in the music is meant for people who are there in the room and are most often dancing to it. Uh, and therefore, there's much more of a relationship between the performer and the audience. And it's less about people sitting nicely with their hands in their lap and waiting for someone to entertain them. They're all kind of in the situation together, creating entertainment for each other and for everyone. And it's much more communal activity. Uh, and I, um, there is obviously a time and a place for music to be presented in a more formal setting, but uh, this idea of music for dancers, uh, and it's not even necessarily about the performer to like take that out of the equation a little bit. Obviously, the, it's great to have the musician in the room playing, but it just creates a different dynamic, uh, and to see the music become physical you can see the music happen because people are moving to it uh which just does something to the music you know it 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 becomes a visual experience uh with the people in the room and then you know there's there's ups and downs and you can hear people get excited at certain parts or you know all that sort of stuff so uh that to me is what has been so special about my handful of opportunities playing and in a juke joint setting, uh, and it's been really spectacular. Well, most of your songs would uh, fall into either folk or blues genre, which uh, a lot of those songs, if not all of them, try to tell a certain story. Uh, Is there any of the stories on any of the songs on your album, not necessarily the ones we're listening to here, that have an interesting story that you'd like to share? That's a good question. Not to evade your question, uh, but I think every song has a story for me, uh, and sometimes uh, I find it really interesting to, like, my take on the story doesn't matter one bit, you know. What what matters is what the listener takes from it. Uh, and if it means something to them and that meaning is different than mine, I don't care one bit. I think that's great, you know. Uh, and that's, I, my songs are kind of, not that they're vague, but they're not necessarily topical and uh, specific um, right. Uh, and that's something that I intentionally do most of the time. I do have a couple specific, uh, more topical songs, but even then it's just topical to me. And it's really fascinating to hear what comes back from that, which I feel like I'm singing a pretty specific story, but then to hear people's understanding of what is going on and it's completely different and it's not wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in some ways, that's really exciting to me. So in a lot of ways, um, I don't necessarily have a story about a particular song that I <laughs> that I like to tell, other than um, this whole album and how it came together and uh, working with friends and through friends uh, and how quickly and seamlessly that all happened uh, was really special. Uh, and to create something relatively quickly... Uh, and to not necessarily like anguish over every note being perfect or whatever, but it was just like we really went in and took a snapshot and 
which is how a lot of folk music and blues music is always produced. You know, it's just it's how it sounded that day. Listening back to it now, since you did record in two days, you recorded it with no overtakes, and you did your best take that you could. Mm -hmm. Is there anything within the album that you're thinking that you may want to have changed or that you wish you would have done differently? Is there anything in there that you wish could have been done different? Totally. Upon listening back, I don't listen to it that often, um, but I think last time I did, I was like, oh, man, I wish I would have just done the phrasing a little better on that, on those words, or... Um, you know, like could a there's spots that seem now available for like a guitar fill or something like that, or like oh man, this song would just kind of even be even more funky if it was just a little bit slower. Uh, so there's some of that, but I'm also, you know, as we've talked about, it's just like that's how it sounded that day, and now I move on, and I'm not necessarily ever one to like call a song finished. Um. I like performing live and performing for people and and I like playing with the songs and they can change and that's okay for me and sometimes they change for the better and sometimes they change for the worse uh, but that's also a luxury of being a solo performer or playing with really small groups we can take songs a lot slower a lot faster we can drop sections of it I can you know speed them up or slow them down halfway in the middle of the song and when there's dancers then you can really gauge if we're at the right tempo or not because are people moving smoothly or are they moving awkwardly and you can adjust uh so i really like music especially when i'm playing this kind of music this folk blues music uh, i it's meant to be living and breathing and it's meant to have other uh inputs you know which is the environment around you the people you around you and for it to change because of that well, speaking of uh, going down the p- different paths these uh, songs can go and the path it takes to get there, why don't we do their, uh, the next song, which is Stones in My Pathway on Mike Munson's new album, Underwood.
Things that have betrayed me and have overtaken me at last. And my enemies have betrayed me and have overtaken me at last. And there's one thing for certain stones all in my past. This was uh, Stones in My Pathway, which is another song you actually didn't write. It was written by Robert Johnson. Mm -hmm. Legendary Robert Johnson. Right. Uh, Why did you choose this song specifically? Uh, This is another song that I had been performing live, uh, and um, it's the only Robert Johnson song that I am playing currently, but he's kind of a mythical figure in uh, the story of American music. Uh, but also just an extremely talented uh, guitar player and singer and what he was able to do uh, within the the genre really advanced the music in a lot of ways and brought a lot of new listeners in. Unfortunately, he, uh, he died before uh, people became very familiar with his name, uh, he died young, and this summer is actually the 80th, uh, I think it's the 85th year since his death. So he's been dead for 85 years, and 
He only recorded about 20-something songs, 27 songs or something like that, uh, most of which are still being sung and played today, which is an incredible uh, legacy. Uh, and so uh, a lot of people learn from Robert Johnson, and that's kind of a lot of people's pathway into country blues and older blues music. Uh, and this song in particular, I loved, and uh, it's not at all dated in what it's talking about, and it's it's still spooky today, uh, and it's still ominous today, and that, to me, is like, just, it's great. Every time I play it, a different line sticks out, hits me in a different way. Uh, so, again, tried to play it. I don't play it how he played it on guitar. I don't. I don't necessarily even sing it the way he did, but I, you know, it's part of the tradition of blues and folk music as these songs evolve and they change, and they're still relevant to today because they change. Um, so that's that's why I wanted to put this one on uh, the album, and it's been a, a joy to play, and it's been a, a joy to play with the song. Uh, who knows if Robert Johnson is would like it or not. I guess at some level I don't care. It's what we do. You know, we just put songs out there and what happens, happens. Uh, so that's why this one's on there. So when you performed this for this album, what lines stuck out at you that time? Let's see. I honestly don't remember, but that's a good question. Uh, it's that first line, you know. Uh, I got stones in my pathway and uh, a road as dark as night. It's like, it's just starts off with such an ominous you know that could be like a stephen king first line to some epic you know thousand page novel where Absolutely. a million things happen you know yeah uh just that sort of lead up and then what happens after that it's it's you know who who, who not you know anything can happen but it's gonna be heavy which is it's so great the song clearly inspired you as did a lot of these other songs that you uh that you chose and I do want to get a bit into your inspiration because Jimmy Duck Holmes is uh, described as being uh, a mentor to you. Mm -hmm. And he is considered a legend mm -hmm. in uh, the blues field. What would you say is the most important thing you've learned from Jimmy Duck Holmes? Yeah, uh, my time with Jimmy Duck uh, down in Bentoni, Mississippi. We've been hanging out for uh, maybe like eight years. We've played a couple really wonderful festivals together. Last summer we were out at uh, the Montreal Jazz Festival and then before that we were out in Vancouver uh, and he's been up to Minnesota a couple times and uh, I typically go, out, go down to Mississippi about twice a year and we play together down there. And uh, apart from learning some songs from him, uh, it's this what we were talking about earlier, this kind of like juke joint mentality and that ultimately it's not about you. You're supplying music for the people who are in the room who are dancing. Uh, and just that idea of that as entertainment. And if there's a song that you might want to, like you feel like you want to play, sometimes putting that on the back burner just for like a little bit because the room is really hopping with this particular groove and they're dancing to this particular stuff. And so interrupting that with something you want to do is like totally uncalled for, you know, it's ultimately not about you for a little bit. You can find your space in that mix. 
Uh, so watching Jimmy do that and like just put on a good party has been awesome. You know, he's like 75 years old and he, you know, owns and operates the Blue Front Cafe and hosts music and then gets up and plays pretty much every night for a little bit. And just to see how he does that, you know, and harnesses like he's a pretty laid back guy. Uh, but then, you know, give him a guitar and put him up in front of a room full of people that want to dance and stuff. And he'll just put on such a great show. And I don't necessarily consider myself a, a show person or a showman. Uh, but just to be able to watch how he does that and to experience that, for, you know, from sitting right next to him uh, has been really a gift for me. Well, I imagine Jimmy wasn't the only uh, influence for you, and I imagine he wasn't the only one you could consider a mentor. Would there, mm -hmm. Who else would you consider to be someone who had this uh, impact on you and your production of music? Sure, yeah. Uh, my relationship with Jimmy came about at a really interesting time. I was starting to play professionally more and more, um, and he just comes from a completely different world. You know, Bentonia, Mississippi is very different than Winona, Minnesota, but at the same time, finding our connections and our commonalities and you know not to mention the fact that we're uh, pretty different on the age spectrum but to find these commonalities uh, has been great um, there's all sorts of mentors who uh, maybe they don't know that they're mentors of mine because we don't have that sort of relationship right uh, but there's plenty of great people that I admire from afar and watch how they navigate playing music professionally and navigate um, playing music creatively and keep making new interesting music and challenging themselves uh, that's a huge inspiration and performers who continue to get better and better with age that's a huge inspiration uh, instead of kind of like just living off of something that happened when they were younger but to continue to pursue excellence on their instrument uh, that's always so thrilling and then I recently reconnected with my like my first guitar teacher from when I was 12 uh, he was playing after me at a at a at a gig up in the Twin Cities and we like both surprised each other and then it was you know I was 12 so this was a lot like a lot of years afterwards 28 years later uh, we reconnect and then hang out and he's you know loaned me his 1957 Stratocaster for a week because he wasn't playing any shows with it and just that level of generosity and excitement from a former like this person met me when I was 12 and I'm probably pretty different now than I was then maybe in some ways but just that generosity and like love of music and uh so experiencing that recently was uh really uh grounding and exciting and uh trying to figure out how to carry that spirit forward in my own life you know what which avenues are there uh places for me to be that generous you know and to f feel like that uh and to spread that around so yeah it's an exciting it's an exciting thing to be able to play so much music and to know musicians and uh it's an honor to 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 be where i am for sure well, why don't we move into our next song? This is Saint Anne on the new album Underwood by Mike Munson. Thank you. 
So you mentioned characteristics of these individuals whom you consider somewhat mentors, even though they may not know you as a mentee. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way you describe yourself, it does remind me of other artists I've seen that are pretty famous around the Midwest. And I, I just want to know, can you list a few names that maybe our audience would know for who influences you? Uh, right. And I would say most of my influences are not even <clears throat> directly musical influences, but it's... Um, uh, people who are just aging creatively and like so people like Leo Kotke um, a lot of jazz performers who continue just to get better and better we recently lost Pharaoh Sanders but you could say that potentially the record he made the year before he died at age 89 was one of the best one that he had he's ever made um, uh, and then there's you know gen- like so much great music in Minnesota and so many bands that have been so kind uh, to me to have me along and to get to uh, get to be on like festival stages around them and then just build up friendships with you know, people like Eric Koskinen and his guitar player Paul Bergen and um, Charlie Parr has been a great mentor. He was a huge mentor in the beginning. That's, that's the one I was expecting. That's yeah. That, I was expecting Charlie Parr. When you said live music, different every time, and blues and folk, I was like thinking, you know what? That sounds exactly like Charlie Parr. I've done a lot of interviews with him, so yeah. I, I, I was familiar, and I was expecting to hear it. I'm so glad <laughs> yep. I was right. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, he, you know, he's obviously a person who has spent a lot of time in Winona and, and, right. and was doing so at a, at a formative time in my life. Uh, in my pursuit too. Uh, and so it's great to cross paths with him and another person who's been very generous uh, with his time with me. And uh, yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, we just, we, we live in a great pl- uh, place and there's so much good music and so many great uh, people in this, you know, in this music community in Minnesota. And so it's, it's, it's great to be a, a small part of that. Well, this will be a bit of a more general uh, uh, question, but I think it's one that's important to answer anyways. Uh, as, we dis- uh, as we talked about earlier, folk and blues is your genre. It's a genre you mostly align with. So I would have to ask you, what do those genres mean to you? Mm-hmm. Why folk? Why blues? Uh, why are those genres what you latched onto? Right. I mean, you probably answered already with the moving people and stuff, but in case there's something you'd like to add. Sure. Um, first I'll say I'm going to pick on you a little bit that I didn't necessarily assign those genres to myself. Uh, or if I said that, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say <laughs> no, that. but no, it's, it's fine. People do that. Um, I find myself it's people need genres. Uh, but I think the more you talk to musicians, uh, more musicians are musicians are just like unconcerned with, uh, genres, but, humans have a need to classify and compartmentalize and that's something just we just can't shake and that's fine um but blues and folk uh and early jazz and early rock and roll they're uniquely american art forms and we're born out of the american story with all of its complications and all of its uh wonderful achievements and uh, the great mixing of ideas and people and invention and it's this whole story which has just brought uh, this, what I find to be this really exciting music. I particularly like and have learned a lot from 
uh, guitar players who were generally from Louisiana, Mississippi, uh, between the you know 20s, 30s, 40s, and then electrified. Uh, and so these, you know, it's this music, which we tend to call blues, but tends to be a misnomer in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of people get confused by it, but you could say country blues as in country, not country music, but like rural blues. So like people right, who aren't right. living in the cities, uh, but living outside and generally, um, people were, who were recently freed slaves or descendants of slaves, um, uh, playing and inventing this kind of music. Uh, and it's some of the most impressive, invigorating guitar playing that I've ever heard still to this day. You know, you can put on some of these records that were made nearly 100 years ago, and the guitar playing is just incredible. It's still like, how do they do that? How is this, you know, like, how that tempo? How in the world can they be that articulate? So anyways, that music is so exciting. And to me is... Uh, stylistically and what's technically there can be taken in any direction. You can put that into any genre box you want. Uh, you know, we hear it as blues, but what's happening from a technical instrument performer relationship, I feel like that can go anywhere. Would there be anything you'd like to share with our audience before the interview is over? Uh, well, uh, I'm so happy to be uh, invited to hang out with you today on the show and KQL is a great radio station uh, and it's a great service for Winona and local music and um, the non-commercial non-mega music there's so much good music that happens uh, where if you go across the radio dial most of it's the same kind of music made by people that you're probably never going to meet in your life uh, but the fact that KQL highlights people that live in this community who play music and are contributing, uh, I feel an, you know, honored to be invited to come participate, but also uh, local radio is so good and so important. And uh, I know people are already doing it, but, you know, go catch a live concert. It doesn't have to be my concert, but, uh, you know, go see a band live in person because there's just nothing like it. It's the best. Oh, yeah, live music events are riddled around Winona, and that's what really makes it unique. Um, well, th thank you for taking the time to do this interview with us. I, we, I, well, I really appreciate it, and I'm sure the station does as well. You're so welcome. Thanks for doing the show. And to end this interview, we're going to hear Going Home by Mike Munson on his new album, Underwood. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thanks again to Mike Munson for joining us today on The Sound. To hear more about Mike Munson, check out his Bandcamp or his website, mikemunson.net. For more deep dives into local and regional albums, tune into The Sound Wednesday nights at 6 right here at 89.5 KQAL. I'm Giovanni Bermudez. Thanks for listening to The Sound. The Sound is produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. Visit us online at kqal.org. Theme music for the sound provided by Mike Terrell of Fires of Denmark.